4: Welcome to Good Morning Football, presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky, as always, live here in New York City, Wednesday, November 1st, everybody. Jamie Erdahl, Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, Jason McCordy. How was everyone's Halloween?
5: It was awesome. We were X
4: Men as a family, we're out trick or treating. Great. Right? So it was was a lot of fun. Some people did not have a very good holiday evening, though. Uh, Let's get to, but Rap Sheet's not one of them. Ian Rappaport, good morning to you. Trade deadline was yesterday, but the Raiders made some decisions overnight after the trade deadline passed. What were they?
6: 1 a.m. Eastern time, the Las Vegas Raiders announced that they fired head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler. An earth-shaking move for the Las Vegas Raiders. Stunning, really. Josh McDaniels fired, actually, for the second time by the second franchise before he finished his second season. The first time in NFL history that has happened. 9-16 overall record with the Las Vegas Raiders. Bottom three in offense, and honestly, guys, if you watch the performance they had on national TV against the Detroit Lions, firing Josh McDaniels, while stunning, while shocking, while the kind of thing that very few people saw coming, it it a little bit makes sense. You listen to the words of Devontae Adams, some of the respected leaders in the locker room, it was not right in Las Vegas. Owner Mark Davis releasing his statement, thanking them for their work, vowing to uh, do a thorough search into a new general manager, a new head coach, as he says right here, after much thought about what the Raiders need to do moving forward, he decided to part ways. He thanks them for their hard work, thanks their families, and that is it. McDaniels, Ziegler, both New England products, both now out in Las Vegas.
4: All right, Ian, thank you so much. Hang around, though, because we do want to talk to you about the trade deadline, which passed earlier in the day yesterday. Huge news for the Raiders overnight. We had to say it to ourselves again at the table, a couple of those facts that Ian just pointed out, that this was done at 10 p.m. local in Las Vegas, so it rained down 1 a.m. Eastern. And the fact that, unfortunately for Josh McDaniels, this is his second time he has been relieved of his duties as a head coach midseason, the first coming with the Denver Broncos. Peter, when did you learn of this? And, and when you learned of it, what did you think?
7: I'll be honest, I learned of it when I woke up at 4.30 yeah. on the East Coast right. and yeah. I was very surprised because I think Josh and Dave signed six... Well, Josh signed a six-year deal. Yeah. Six years guaranteed, what? a year and a half in. I mean, We're talking millions and, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and this isn't a team that's winless. You're saying that the entire thing from top to bottom has to be scrapped now, at this moment, Now. And that just tells me that it was that toxic in that building and that Mark Davis probably was talking around with the players and that this just they had totally not bought in anymore, and they were done. When you hear the comments that Josh Jacobs was saying, who's a longtime veteran there, Devontae Adams, respectively, a lot of times the owner will side with the coach and the GM and say, well, get rid of them. Trade deadline passed. Not a single veteran player was Mm -hmm. traded from the Raiders. Josh McDaniels. And, and Dave Ziegler were supposed to rebuild this thing from the bottom after they, they hired them instead of just sticking with Passaccia after Passaccia took them to the playoffs as an interim coach after they fired Gruden. This is shocking. It's also shocking because, you know, they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. They, they brought in uh, a couple of these other Raiders veterans that were there. You had the uh, Patriots veterans that were there. They started off, they had six Patriots on the roster, I think, last year to start mm-hmm. their season. They have less now. Uh, Even the Tom Brady connection, talking about ownership. Like, there still was this Patriots feel. They are completely ridding themselves of this Patriots Mm -hmm. feel now. And they go to Antonio Pierce, who here in New York is a beloved giant. who has Mm -hmm. been coaching in high school and has been now in the NFL for a bit. And he apparently has the locker room, and they're going to try to get through the season. Um, Antonio Pierce, and then Champ Kelly, who has been in the league for a long time as an executive and is a really respected guy, is going to take over. But Ziggler and, like, McDaniels... at. 1 a.m. are no longer part of this thing. When I thought this was going to be a long-term build and that Davis was going to stay beside them because he didn't want to do this again after firing Gruden, I am genuinely surprised that this didn't happen right after the game. That happened at this hour, but also they got through the trade deadline and then it happened. Um, my last point, and it's it's not as serious as what we're talking about here. I dressed as Al Davis for Halloween yesterday. Yeah. The amount of Tweets I got, and I don't read Twitter all day long. I'm saying hundreds and hundreds of Raiders fans saying, "Can the ghost of Al Davis come back and fire Josh McDaniels?" And I would just read, "Like ah, that's not cool. Like, uh, <laughs> Josh McDaniels got fired. Mm-hmm. Like he got fired. I didn't think <clears throat> there was a chance." this early in the season, in year two, that that could actually happen. I thought there was a much more likely opportunity of one of those veteran players being shipped off Mm. and a message being made like, hey, get in line. No, the Mm. owner went with the players over over the coach and the GM and they're starting from scratch yet again which is a wild scenario considering Mm -hmm. we just hired McDaniels and Ziggler just last Mm. offseason. No
5: doubt about it, and what you ended with, you said sided with players, and I felt like that was last year. You get rid of Carr, and you said Josh comes in, Ziggler comes in, and they're bringing in the New England Patriot guys, and everybody you're trying to reestablish this culture but as you say to build this thing from the bottom <laughs> up they were in the playoffs the year before they got there so it's like mm-hmm. we're bringing yeah. you guys in we don't need you to tear things down we kind of need you guys to just pick up where it left off and now get us over the hump and when you see something like this done you think about it last week they were saying all right the Raiders had this passionate meeting where they just laid all the cards on the table players coaches and you're letting it all whenever you hear something like that it's almost like uh-oh and then you see Devontae Adams slamming his helmet. Then you see Josh Jacobs. These are the guys that you're paying to be your absolute superstars. Like These are the guys that the coaching staff, the general manager, they decided to franchise Josh Jacobs. They decided to go out and get Devontae Adams and pay him. So these are the guys you've brought in that you're saying, or you've kept, that these are our guys, and they're very unhappy. And on top of that, you look at it, Josh is an offensive <coughs> coach. This Raiders offense hadn't scored 20 points this season. Great so point. I think those are some of the things that, as an owner, Mark Davis, you're looking at and you're like, all right, we're struggling. Well, if it's the defense, maybe we lean on our head coach to go out and get somebody other than Pat Graham. But the defense is playing well. So you're like, all right, where are where do our issues lie? And I think that's kind of where it all came into. But very surprising, Halloween night, to see something like this going out. And to your point, Shregs, the trade deadline pass, all of these different markets, is just like, all right. Like, were they expecting something to happen at the trade deadline that didn't? And now it's like, all right, let's get rid of them and start over. Now they have an entire season. And you talked about Pearson, Champ, Kelly, like, As those guys were watching over the course of the past year and a half, and they're in their notebook, and you're writing things Mm -hmm. down that you would do differently, that I think every coach and assistant, general manager, whoever, they're always doing that to build for their future. In the next few weeks, it'll be interesting to see what they saw of the things that needed to be changed. From a quarterback standpoint, personnel standpoint, what are the things that right away we're like, oh wow, this is different with the Raiders?
3: I don't know. I found out from a, a Judy Batista tweet this morning at 4:30 in the morning, and I'm actually I, I'm different than you, Peter. I, I would say I was like three out of ten surprised. Okay. Wow. like I was not surprised. Because of the Raiders' <laughs> history, or I think because of, what happened the other night, what happened yeah. this season, and it was it felt like rock bottom. And and I know they owe him a lot of money, but I, I've learned that these owners don't care about the money. Like they'd rather get the product. I think what they really get angry about, and what Bill billionaires hate is when they spend money on a luxury and it doesn't work out or it embarrasses them. Like, I'm looking at the money not spending on McDaniels on Devontae Adams. Like, you, you got him one catch in a nationally televised game, like, get the hell out of here. And if they did let go of him, of course there's contracts and he hasn't had that much time, but it must just be so bad. It, mu- it, it must be. It must be so bad. Also, I just go back to, especially with the front office, like what was the plan? I I go back to let let me know what your plan was. So you buy Devontae Adams, you bring him in, great. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna pair him with Derek Carr, and like we think we can win. All right, fine. Well then you just completely pull the rug out and said, Derek Carr, you're benched, you're out of here. Garoppolo? Yeah. That's your savior? I I like Jimmy. We all like Jimmy, you like Jimmy. I think we all know exactly what Jimmy is and what Jimmy isn't. It's like if anything, it was a lateral move from Carr. It was probably a bit of a step back. That was the plan in the front office. And it's like it was under this. Is like, well, he has this history with Josh. Come on, he won a few games a couple of years ago during Deflategate. Like, it's like we're reuniting Montana with Walsh. <laughs> Come on, guys. Jimmy Garoppolo was never gonna be this savior of the franchise. Of course, Devontae Adams is spiking his helmet. He's playing with Jimmy. Jimmy is Jimmy, and like, I don't even put that all on McDaniel's. That's a front office thing, and that's why the front office is cleared out. But the McDaniel's, like, this is a guy who has six Super Bowl rings, six Super Bowl rings at home, and he has two midseason firings. And you know what I come back to? Like, this is just disposable Raiders fluff. Like, I don't know if there was one memorable moment from the Josh McDaniels era. I know he beat Belichick. Like, that's more of a personal thing. it's not the Raiders thing. And I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and look, when you're the king of the division, you're the king. During the Andy Reid era, 17 different coaches have coached the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. 17! Really? Antonio Pierce is the 17th guy to be like, I'm the head coach of this team, to Andy Reid's one. So it's like Belichick used to do in the AFC East, just wreck coaches and just dispose of them. That's what the Chiefs are doing, and that's just the next one in line. It's a shame. The Raiders deserve better, but uh, at least they have a fresh start.
4: Well, speaking to the Raiders' plan and the decision tree that they had when they hired Ziegler and when Ziegler picked McDaniels, it's like not only did they lean on the New England tree, it was like the New England offensive tree. So to make that decision knowing that Josh McDaniels, you are supposed to come in and have done, worked magical things for a Bill Belichick who is a defensive guy and you were his offensive yeah. guru and you're going to come to Las Vegas or to the Raiders and create an offensive mastermind and these, and then this is your own decision-making tree. To not only go from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, but then to draft a quarterback and to give him a try, and not have this be some like electric factory decision, it makes me think in terms of the next decision that the Raiders have to make. If you have to tear it all down and blow it back up, are we going to see the Raiders become this like a defensive team? Are we going to see a Lou Anarumo go there because they're like, you know what? Enough with the quarterback whisperer. We can get a great offensive coordinator. We're going to go with D'Amico Ryan's going to the Texans and turning that defense into something. Like you have a Max Crosby, you have good guys on defense, and if you're going to take down the Chiefs at some point in your tenure you got to be able to take down Patrick Mahomes so why not become a Raiders team that's really known defensively because the quarterback thing was not working no, not under the all. Josh McDaniels trade okay other business to take care of it was as we mentioned the trade deadline yesterday mm-hmm. and rap sheet is back with us as there was uh, action before the Hi. 4 p.m. Eastern deadline Ian where do you take us
6: I will take you to Washington with the Commanders unloading two of their prime talents on the edge and really getting back some significant draft picks. We'll start with Chase Young, maybe the biggest name moved during the trade deadline. Chase Young, the number two overall pick, goes to the San Francisco 49ers for a third round pick. Maybe not as much as some thought, but that really is the price for a guy who has been really, really talented, really productive, but has struggled to stay on the field and will either be tagged to get a new contract or be a free agent in San Francisco. So he now goes to bolster the edge for San Fran and his buddy Montez Sweat earlier yesterday was traded to the Chicago Bears. Kind of an interesting and odd destination, but general manager, what Ryan Poles wants to do for the Chicago Bears is essentially do free agency a little bit early. That's kind of the method here is is you spend a second round pick and you get a guy maybe you would sign. Anyway, that is what they did uh, with Montez Sweat. And then I would say the other biggest one, the Arizona Cardinals ship off Josh Dobbs to the Minnesota Vikings. They end up getting a starting quarterback, potentially at some point this year or at the very least a backup some significant, significant moves in a very active trade deadline.
4: Absolutely. Well, the Vikings sit in a very interesting division, and if they can get hold of a quarterback, whether it be they give Jaron Hall a chance, the rookie, or if it is Joshua Dobbs, who is on his seventh NFL team. Crazy situation in Minnesota. That full screen was so interesting, and we're going to get to that here on Good Morning Football wrap Sheet. Thanks. We'll talk to you in a little bit. For the first time ever we put Jason McCourty on a plane. No, that's not true. He's he's flown before, but the point is he's going to Frankfurt, Germany, amongst everyone else as the NFL kicks off for the first time. Sunday morning football from Frankfurt exclusively on NFL Network. It's a must-see AFC showdown as the Dolphins take on the Chiefs. I'm going to lie
3: down in front of your plane, Jason. So I,
4: know. Gonna I know. I'm going to lie down you on know, the You We've runway. discovered the technology that he could just do the game from here.
3: Yeah.
4: Rise, shine, and watch this <laughs> Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern on NFL Network and stream.nfl on NFL Plus. Still to come on Good Morning Football, Kevin Bayard. <laughs> You know, we had Kevin Bayard on the show on October 8th as a Tennessee Titan, and now he's coming on as a Philadelphia Eagles. Awesome. Yeah.
3: I love it. Is he going to come on as a Super Bowl champion in February? That'd be cool.
4: Yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.
4: We're back on Good Morning Football. Uh, we were just talking James Jameis Monson, not moved uh, at the trade deadline. Here are the guys that were. Josh Dobbs heads to Minnesota from Arizona after being their starter for the first part of the season, which means Kyler Murray is uh, inching closer to returning as their starter. Uh, the Vikings sent a guard down south. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones moves up north to the Detroit Lions very interesting. But the big one, the fact that the commanders were big sellers defensively with Montez Sweat and Chase Young heading out of town. And then Rasul Douglas, add him to a secondary that the Bills needed badly from the Packers. Uh, As we take a gander at the NFC side of things and the playoff picture, you see the commanders uh, at the bottom of the lurking screen. You, You have to assume that that's why they are selling two big, big names defensively. But that wild card spot, fascinating to see two of those logos from the NFC East and then the Vikings sitting there as well. But some of those teams on the left got better by making moves on trade deadline day. Guys, action that your eyes drew to once 4 p.m. Eastern hit yesterday, Peter.
7: Chase Young, yeah. former defensive player of the year from the rookie standpoint, 2020. Um, injuries, obviously, and then you'd hear stories that, like, you know, kind of freelances a bit, and it's people want to, you know, anytime it's a top-two pick, you're going to say, well, why hasn't this guy developed? He was a top-two pick, and he's now going back to play with Bosa, who he played with at Ohio State. And he's going to one of the best defensive lines in football with, of course, Hargrave and Armstead and the rest of those guys. Uh, Maybe it's coaching. Maybe we get a different coach. And Chris Kocerek is the best defensive line coach in all of football. I think this was a quiet move in the grand scheme of things, but couldn't be a huge move come December, January, February. Um, It's a... No-brainer for the 49ers. Get another guy on the defensive line. Do they need another one? Probably not. (laughs) But they get another one because, you know what, we're going to get the most out of them and we'll see if this can help us get over the top. But Chase Young, interesting career in the NFL. I mean, huge out of the gates. A superstar. Injuries. And then this year, actually put together good tape. Like, Mm -hmm. you talk to people around the league, like, Chase Young's playing really well. He's got sacks. He's got sacks. He's got numbers. Like, he could still be a player that is talked to in that conversation. But we don't put him in the conversation with Bosa and Garrett and Crosby and the rest.
3: Montez has numbers too. Yeah, like those guys have been playing. Can you imagine being in the Commanders' D-line room today? Like, what the hell? Like, where, where are these guys? The big winners here is the Commanders' offensive line in practice today. Those guys need a break too. Are Bosa and Chase Young gonna like come out and spike shoulder pads right. like the Legion of Doom? What the <laughs> hell is this? I can't believe these guys are on the same team. I know that he's been up and down and Chase Young, but I just my memory of him hasn't had anything to do with his play. I remember it was Washington versus Pittsburgh and it was warming up and he was over on the sideline and Mike Tomlin looks at Chase Young and he's like, he's just like looking him up and down. He's like, (laughs) we'd love to get a guy like you, but we don't want to have to draft that high. We have to draft high to get someone like you. Like, damn, like he was freaking out about him. It's sand to the beach completely. And San Francisco, I think, needs a little jolt or something. We're in the middle of a losing streak right here, really like a crisis and it's, it's like, it's one of these moves that, even if Chase Young doesn't look like Reggie White, can you make one sack for us in the playoffs, you know, a, a against Philadelphia or against whoever we're up against? I love the move. I like the move for Chicago, getting sweat. I, the commander's like, just got woefully worse, I guess, on defense, and that's what they're going to do. But San Francisco loads up, and Chicago gets a good player too. I like these moves.
5: Yeah, very interesting. And you look at even San Francisco last year, trade deadline, they go get McCaffrey, an offensive guy. This year, the defense is struggling a little bit the last two weeks. You go get a guy like Chase Young. But as I look at that NFC picture, I look at the Minnesota Vikings. They lose Kirk Cousins. We were talking about it last week going into that game against Green Bay. Of All right, Minnesota's going to be a team. And we're talking about they're going to be fighting for a playoff shot. And Kirk Cousins is kind of moving towards that MVP Conversation. He goes down with an injury. They go out and get Joshua Dobbs. I'm like, all right, possibly they're still competing to get there. Then they trade an offensive lineman, Ezra Cleveland. So it's kind of like confusing where it's just like, all right, Minnesota's four and four. Kirk Cousins has been playing elite. Hell yeah. But they're just four and four. And now you're going out, you're bringing Joshua Dobbs. Is he going to be able to get that team over the hump? Confusing to say, like, all right, are they a legit contender in the NFC this year? It's like, why not kind of go out and get something for somebody like a Daniil Hunter instead They're going for it? So very interesting to see from that front. Mm -hmm.
4: We have a guest that we want to get to. I
5: do. Let's bring him in. Joining us now is a two-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro but the newest member of the Philadelphia Eagles secondary. Please give a warm welcome to safety, Kevin Bayard. What's up, KB? Let's go,
9: baby. What's up? Good morning, football family. How we doing?
2: What's
5: up, man? You're becoming, becoming, right, family. A fifth person to this desk as we're seeing you. (laughs) But now you're donning different colors. Kelly Green, you didn't get to wear them, but you're out there with the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's just talk about the trade. Started your career in Tennessee. You've been over there for the last seven years married, kids there, very involved in that community. What's it like to be traded, middle of the season, going from Nashville to now Philadelphia?
9: I mean, you talk about a whirlwind. You get traded on a Monday, catch an early morning flight on a Tuesday morning, come in, shake a hundred hands, do a physical, immediately dive into the playbook with the coaches, don't leave the facility till late at night, 8 o'clock or something like that. And On Wednesday, you jump jumping into your first practice. Like I said, it was a whirlwind, but it's a blessing, man. Obviously, it's a blessing to, to be wanted by another team, especially a team like the Eagles This. obviously seven and one at this point and have super Bowl aspirations i will say though i mean i had a great time in tennessee i'm always gonna be a tennessee titan and uh obviously wish all those guys luck but um definitely grateful uh to be a philadelphia eagle now
4: so kevin good to see you again last week you and DeAndre Swift were inspiration for a segment that I did called The Web of Lives because I was a little bit surprised when I read the tweet after your trade, oh, the native son returns home to Philadelphia. And I'm like, him too? Come on, man. You were born and raised in Philadelphia. You have a connection there like not many other players have that are on the Eagles. What has it been like being back home, back around family, and maybe visiting some of your old stomping grounds?
9: It's been great. My family, uh, my dad and his brothers and, and some other guys was able to come to the Washington game yesterday. Obviously, it's only a, a quick two hour drive down to Washington. It's been great. I've, a, I've been able to see family, going to hang out with my little brother a little bit later today at the practice and things like that. So like I said, it's been a blessing, you know, just to be able to come back in my hometown. It's really just like a full circle moment for me.
4: Speaking of full circle, Kevin, just help my uh, map that I made. Which one of the seven Catholic League schools would you have gone to had you stayed in Philadelphia? I just want to make sure I have clarification on how that web worked.
9: I, I Honestly, I don't know. It's crazy. I was born in West Philadelphia. I don't think I would have went to a Catholic school. I actually was probably went to Overbrook. Okay. I mean, it was right up the street from my house. I didn't even play okay. a whole lot of, you know, park ball, football growing up. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, we had a my mom had a lot of kids and I don't think we had a lot of money for all the registration for everybody to play sports. But and I grew up on, on, you know, playing basketball and playing football in, in the yard yeah. and things like that with friends. So now, nah, but I, I I definitely went with the Overbrook.
7: There you go. West Philadelphia, born and yes. raised. On the playground is where he spent most, most of, of his
4: days. <laughs> Interesting.
9: There you go.
7: Perfecting his Um Okay, then I got to... When he gotta...
3: left Tennessee, he said, Yo, home. smell you later. Oh, yeah, it's great.
7: Interesting. As we're doing the interview, my friend Tony is a diehard Eagles fan. <clears throat> he's watching, he's freaking out. Like, Have you felt the love from the Eagles fans yet? I feel like they're one of the best, most passionate fan bases. And when they get someone new, whether it be Slay or this year Swift, it's like... We're going to build them up. You're going to feel our love. How has it been, the reception from these Eagles fans so far?
9: The reception has been great. I think I gained over 10,000, 15,000 followers, like the first day or something like that. (laughs) So the the love has definitely been there. The support has been there. And the first thing I wanted to do when I got here was, you know, try to earn the respect of my teammates by, you know, obviously the, the work I put in. Uh, The way I play, the way I prepare, but as far as just the fans and and even the media, they've all been supportive of me. You know, I came in, like I said, got uh, traded on a Monday and played 70 snaps, you know, in my first game. So, you know, I just want to continue to be uh, reliable for this team and be there. But, you know, this this Dallas game coming up on Sunday, we're really going to see the fan support. I think it's going to be a loud and crazy environment, probably going to be like a playoff game. So excited for that coming up on Sunday.
3: We'll get to Dallas in a second, and we know you have some pretty cool history against Dallas that the Philadelphia fans like. But I have to ask something from the headlines, KB. Be completely honest here. You now play for a team that has the best, most unstoppable, but most controversial play in the sport. The tush push, the brotherly shove. How did you feel about that play when you were a defensive player on another team, and how do you feel about it now that you are on that team? What's your take? Some people say it's not football. Some people love it.
9: Well, it's football until they get rid of it. When I was, when we were preparing for the Philly last year, we didn't win the game, but I think they ran that play maybe two or three times on the fourth down. I think they got it every single time. I do think it's one of the more tough, I wouldn't say impossible plays to stop because, you know, just this past week, the commanders actually stopped it. And, you know, I think we fumbled on the one yard line or something like that, but it's probably got a 90% success rate. Uh, so it's definitely tough to stop, you know, obviously being on the team now, you know, I would hope we'd be able to continue to run it and run it and run it. And, and I would hope that the commissioner or, you know, anybody, they don't try to stop that play. So, but obviously as a defender, and I'm not a defensive lineman, I'm not the one that's down there crab crawling, bear crawling on, on, on the ground, getting in those big piles. But obviously being a being on the team now, you know, I love to play.
5: Yeah, but. In, in other words, you're the DB back there. You're just watching all the other guys do all the work on that play.
9: <laughs> um, but it's I, it's a I'm looking thing. at the pile you on the ground like, damn, that. that sucks. Yeah.
5: That sucks. It's a beautiful thing. You go from having to defend a plate, and now it's on your side. You also go from the Titans, who are figuring some things out, to the Eagles, who have Super Bowl aspirations. And you walk in that locker room. What's the feeling you have as you're on that defense? You have all of those guys in there from a Slay to a Jalen Carter to Bradbury. What's the feeling in that locker room of, like, all right, we got there last year. We couldn't get over the hump of the aspirations of getting back to that game this season?
9: I see a group of hungry of hungry guys that really want to get back to that, obviously having the confetti falling on on, on them this time around. You know, I come from Tennessee being a five-time team captain and coming here and seeing how much great leadership they already have. I mean, you talk about Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, two guys that's been here, you know, 10-plus years. And, you know, veterans in the secondary, Bradbury, Slay. Uh, But obviously you have some other guys as well. You got Hassan Reddick. You got uh, Josh Swett. They have a lot of talent, and obviously those big boys up the middle, those young guys, uh, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. So it's a really talented defense. These guys are hungry. Even just watching the film when I first got here, just seeing how, you know, the effort that they play with, the physicality that they play with. Uh, it's exciting to play with these guys, man. And I just want to come in and, and, like I said, earn their respect, but at the same time, not just be here along for the ride. Come here, try to make as many plays as possible and be an impact player uh, for this defense.
7: Two of the most respected head coaches in football right now are Mike Vrabel and Nick Sirianni. I don't think they're very similar in their necessarily external perception of how they go about coaching games. What's the differences and maybe what's the similarities between the two, even though you just got to know Sirianni the last few weeks?
9: Well, I would say two similarities that they both have a lot of swagger. Uh, they walk around, you know, with their with their chests up and, and, you know, a lot of confidence, not only in themselves, but in their team. I would just say that Vrabel is definitely a very, very hands on coach. I think you all guys have seen the highlights and, and of, of Vrabel getting out there, right? If it's pregame or in practice with the defense alignment, putting the big pad on his chest, doing the drills and things like that. He's very hands on, very smart. I would say Nick Sirianni. He's very smart as well. But I would definitely say he's a little bit more laid back. You know, when he speaks, he may speak for a little bit, but obviously his words speak volumes. And, you know, he allowed, you know, those players and things like that to sometimes, you know, take over the huddle. Right before the game, he may say a couple words and then let Jason Kelsey come in or, you know, let Lane Johnson or whoever it may be, maybe Jalen Hurts or A.J. Brown. But both coaches are very smart, very intense as well. But it's just two different, you know, type of guys.
4: Well, I can assume they're both grateful to have you in their locker room and on the field. Kevin, on Sunday afternoon, this will not be the first time you get a taste of Eagles-Cowboys as you grew up in Philadelphia as a rivalry. As a player, though, this will be the first. However, when you were traded, fans were quick to pull this play out of their back pocket. Week 9, 2018, what did you do, man? We we know you've only been there for a short (laughs) time, but, oh, right in the Uh, middle uh, of the star. uh, Speak on it, Kev.
9: So a little background story behind that, you know, that was my third year. I just went to the Pro Bowl the previous year. Uh, but I still felt like a lot of people still didn't really know who I was. So I just remember being on the bus. That was my first Monday night game, too, I think. I remember being on the bus, sitting next to my guy, Kenny Vaccaro. And uh, just randomly, I don't even know how the thought came to my mind. I was just like, hey, I'm going to catch a pick today. You know, meet, meet me at the 50. <laughs> meet me at the star. <laughs> and I kind of just said it in a joking way. But, you know, I'm just super intense going into the game. And I caught the pick. And for some reason, the first thing I thought of was jump up and run to the star. Obviously, I know about Tara Owens and, and what he did about running to the star. So I don't know. Like, I got fined for it. You know, Vrabel didn't like it at all. But it was just one of those reactions. As soon as I jumped, I pointed to the star, let's run to the 50s. let's go have a party. So, obviously, won't be running to the star on this Sunday, but hopefully I get another pick on that. Then, you know, that'll suffice yeah. for sure.
5: I love it. You just went to the Pro Bowl. You were feeling yourself. You said, "The hell with it, I'm going to the star. Meet me there. <laughs> KB, Philly fans are hoping you do it again. Sirianni won't be mad, and no, he uh, like your it. wife won't be too mad about Define. Yeah, you got a lot of money. Now, baby. I appreciate you coming <laughs>
9: by this morning, man. <laughs> all right, thank you guys, man. Later.
4: Good to see you, Kevin. Stay healthy, man. All right, coming up. You know, it has been tis the season of throwback jerseys this season. The Kelly Greens were a chef's kiss. Do you want to see him full time? And if you have an opinion about this, Kyle might have beef with you.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring
4: Whiteboard Wednesday time. Here we go. After Jameer gives big night against the Raiders, Dan Campbell told reporters, quote, I think this was kind of the tip of the iceberg for what he's able to do and going to be able to do. It also feels like a threat for the rest of the defenses in the league. The player whose performance so far this season that you think is just the tip of the iceberg. Peter, for some reason, this one, I really look forward to your answer.
7: Yeah, this might be a surprise to some because he's in the MVP conversation, but I feel like he's getting better and better every week and getting more comfortable in this offense. Yeah. i Lamar. Mm, Lamar Jackson, yes. the tip of the iceberg for Lamar. Yes. We're, it was clumsy out of the gates in that he was still winning games, but it wasn't like we're getting the Lamar experience. The last two weeks, Lamar's been awesome. Uh, against Arizona, he had this crazy kick pass that we're going to show in Cool Plays, bro, that Brian nice. Baldinger alerted me to. That's just fantastic. And Gus Edwards got three touchdowns, but this offense is now finding itself a bit. The defense has been stellar. I am going to say Lamar This is the tip of the iceberg. Huge second half of the season up ahead for Lamar as he gets more and more comfortable in this offense. And I think the MVP talk is going to get a lot louder if the Ravens keep on winning games.
5: Yeah, he's been unbelievable. How scary is that for other teams? Just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip for Lamar started. Jackson. Yeah. Just
7: getting started. Uh, I'm going to go with another
5: rookie from uh, Gibbs that he's talking about, and I'm going with Jackson Smith and Jig. But He started yeah. the season. He had a wrist injury, was going through some things. Now the last two weeks he has scored a touchdown. This past one was the game winner late in the game. Geno Smith finds him. He gets to the end zone. I feel like for him in this offense, obviously they have tired. Lockett. they have DK Metcalf, but adding him as the third guy, Geno Smith starting to build trust in him. I feel like he's going to have a coming out party pretty soon where we see a 100-yard game, maybe a multiple touchdown game. I think it's just the tip of the iceberg for Jackson Smith and Jigba. How dare you
3: guys? We should all have this answer. Come on. Will Levis came out in his debut. Beat that performance? At home with a certain sense of responsibility, with that logo and those uniforms, you can't really lay an egg. True. Four touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, a huge win. Lamar Lamar's gonna keep playing well. I think we've seen fairly more than the tip of the iceberg with Lamar Jackson. We've seen a lot of the iceberg, okay? He's an MVP. I, we've seen almost the whole iceberg. Yeah. We've seen one little flash of this guy, And we should be doing segments, again, you, Peter, about the all-time greatest debuts by rookie quarterbacks. And I'm not seeing them. I don't know if it's because of the Titans or because, like Jamie said, we got washed up in the trade deadline. The Raiders fired their coach. Guys, celebrate Will Levis. That was awesome. You don't see rookies do that. I'm not going to let go of this.
4: He also had some uh, judgment, really, against his name. People were like, what's this kid about? He does out there on TikTok. Okay, that or that. They were. (laughs) He's awesome. I Uh, like him. Oil
5: rig. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So, and he just proved them all wrong. It's great. Mike McDaniel will be taking his Dolphins team international this weekend. Miami takes on Kansas City in Frankfurt Sunday morning. McDaniel not only has his team sitting atop the AFC East, but they're tied for the best record in the AFC. A really, really good AFC. What's another job, though, that you think Mike McDaniel would be excellent at, right. Peter?
7: Do you guys remember back in high school there was that teacher who would be like, you know what, today, guys, we're doing class outside. Yeah. Cool high school teacher. <laughs> remember, uh, Mr. Belding had like the cool brother, and he was the one who like, I'm gonna take you guys out, we're gonna do all this. Mike McDaniel's the cool teacher. He's the one that's like, you know what, skateboarding actually is sort of like geometry. Let me show you through the art of Tony Hawk. And you're, like this is amazing science is cool when do you put a skittle in water and see what happens science becomes real cool that's Mike McDaniel, he was the cool (laughs) high school teacher.
3: Mr. McDaniel, can we have an open book test? Sure. Sure. Go for it. Let's talk about Billy Shakespeare. Yeah. And I'm going to bring in the AV cart for the whole class. You guys just watch a movie. I got a cigarette over my ear, maybe not a cigarette over my ear. I love Mr. McDaniel. This
7: movie's called Galactica, and it's super (laughs) futuristic. But if you think real hard, it could happen, man. (laughs) I'm going to go here. Cool high school teacher, Mike McDaniel. Usually that guy was wearing Tevas and had like tie dye and Maybe had some extracurriculars going on. Yeah. I don't think that's Mike. I know Mike's not into that stuff. Ponytail. Yeah, I, I, I think that the cool high
5: school teacher is Mike McDaniel. It's funny, this question came. I'm like, what, like he's such an innovator. I'm like, what could be a good profession for Mike McDaniel? And I struggled. I went back and forth. And then I came up with this answer. I was like, I think this will be the so perfect oh my God. job for Mike McDaniel. Strikes, we're on the same wavelength. I'm like, this guy, he's that cool history teacher where you walk in, he has on the same sneakers as the other kids in the class. He comes fresh. He walks into school with the shades on. He's driving a nice car. You're like, wow, look at Mike. Look at Mr. McDaniel. That's the teacher we want to be. I think he strolls up. He's patient, the slow talking. The kids that love him, they love him. The kids that can't stand him, they love to talk about him because of all his quirkiness and things he comes up with. Kyle, you're right on point. He'd be in a high school where the schedule changes, where some days your class is 40 minutes, some days it's an hour, hour and a half long. On an hour-and-a-half long days, he's rolling in. And when we were in high school, it was a whole cassette thing, the whole thing. You have the TV on it, and you're going to watch some random movie has nothing to do with history, <laughs> one that you just absolutely love. And he's the teacher who has the fundraising candy bars right on his desk. Yep. You can come in and give yourself a treat. Mike McDaniel, a high school teacher, it just fits him. I don't know if this is what his backup plan was. I'm mm-hmm. going that, too.
3: I think also he's got some takes, too, on history. Oh. You know, our founding fathers aren't what we made them out to be. They didn't want to pay their taxes. They tell they you won- about and they got a lot of bad things going on like I think he's got takes, but you guys give him a lot of credit Like I'm I'm gonna go like a little direction on him. I think it's um B32 please oh, come God. to window R uh-huh. And you walk up and he's just there and you say ah, hi. Yeah, I'm here to I'm here to get a new driver's license Do you have three forms of ID? <laughs> Well, actually, I went on your website, and it said you only need two forms of ID. That's for an ID card. For a driver's license, you need three forms of ID, and please step aside, sir, and they call the next person. And you're like, uh, I can call my wife to bring I've been waiting in line for three hours. I made this appointment. She... If, if, can you just hold this? I'm sorry, sir. Please step aside. And the fluorescent lights are just pouring down, and he's got some stupid signature coffee mug and, like, a pocket protector and the glasses and the monotone, and you're not getting your driver's license that day. I got news for you. Did you do the vision test? No, I didn't do the vision. <laughs> you're out of here the worst the dmv employee i think he would kill that yeah
4: and they circle the three things you should have brought They're see like, right, it's here. Simply right here right oh here there's a there's a girl on on tiktok who does this trend where she's like the chill barista who could convince you to try like kangaroo milk if you just
5: <laughs> sure. like you just
4: walk up and she's like oh hey how you doing and like this person would easily convince you to have like a Definitely. grass milk latte mm. um i feel like he could do that as yes. well the, the chill convincing barista Ugh. so Peter's old-school Raiders starter jacket. He got a lot of love online yesterday. Uh, I need a white <laughs> <laughs> <turtleneck> <laughs> the white turtleneck, It was the white turtleneck. <laughs> the starter jackets are cool. That's cool on any yeah. But white turtleneck, Peter, maybe, is a
5: mood. That's maybe what we'll does do a turtleneck. White turtleneck. Maybe we'll do a turtleneck. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe white, we'll turtleneck yeah. Come that's on. Very good. Yeah.
4: You think <laughs> you battle with your microphone now? Just throw a turtleneck yeah. on it, and we'll see how that Some goes. Uh, the <laughs> starter jacket, though. Let's go starter jacket category that you, like, have to have. Because people were tweeting at you, please send me that starter jacket.
7: Yeah, I'm going to go back to my childhood, my youth. Everyone in New Jersey had uh, a few of them. There's a Charlotte Hornets. Got to have Ooh. that. Okay, that was, that was hot. Raiders because of what was going on in the rap scene and then of course the Giants and the Jets were big. I came to school one day in a Chiefs one. Why is that? I wasn't a diehard Chiefs fan, nothing about it. I was at the store in the mall. It was called Going to the Game. It's in like Jersey malls <laughs> and I saw the Chiefs one and I was like, I want that one. I want to be different. So I roll up in this Chiefs one and this was Rich G and Chiefs, like, you know, the late 90s, mid 90s, I'm wearing that Chiefs jacket and my friend Matthew Nay shows up and he had the old school Oilers one mm-hmm. and no one cared about my Chiefs jacket. Matthew Ney had a cool yeah. jacket. Matthew there. Nay had the Damn Oilers Matthew. one with black said oilers in light blue and on the back had the oil rig. rig. Uh. It was sick. So the Chief's jacket, it was almost like symbolic of a lot of things in my high school and middle school life. Close, but no cigar. Oh. <laughs> um, the Chief's jacket was pretty cool. I wish I still had it today, it was so neat. Close, close, but no cigar. I love yeah. that.
5: Just uh, second base shreds. I'm going right. with... I would uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> that is the cigar. Are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> I'm going with my childhood as well. The Dallas Cowboys mm. Starter Jacket. Not the one to button up. The one you put over your head with the pocket in the middle of the hood on. I was a huge Cowboys fan as a kid growing up. Had the Aikman jersey, the Irvin, Dion, Emmitt Smith, the whole nine. So when my mom finally got me that Cowboys Starters jacket, oh my goodness. I was a kid on Christmas. I wanted to wear it to school every single day. The white parts start to turn brown as much as I was wearing it, but that cowboy starter jacket loved it. Cowboys
3: classic. I'm glad that Peter acknowledged the Charlotte Hornets because that is the one. The OG. Kendall Gill, Grandma Muggsy, that was the the one.
7: Every guy and every girl had it. It was the one.
3: And yet, there was like a little step-sibling to the Charlotte Hornets jacket, and I'm telling you... Take me there. Yes! Yes! It's the San Jose Sharks Kelly Kissio. expansion 91. <laughs> so they start as a franchise right when the starter thing is blowing up. And it's like aqua and teal was so hot at the time. And they had a logo of a shark biting a hockey stick in half. <laughs> As a 12-year-old, I didn't know what Buffalo hockey. I didn't know that was a real team. I promise you I could not tell you where San Jose was in the country. Mm-hmm. I just needed to go to Superstars at the Hawthorne Mall in Vernon Hills That's where bad. they had 15 San Jose Sharks jackets yep. in suburban Illinois inexplicably because you couldn't get it fast enough. The Hornets one is the goat. It really is. This is this is the this is the, the level B here. The San Jose Sharks, if you know you know. I had never seen a San Jose Sharks game. I don't I think still to this day I've never seen a San Jose yeah. Sharks game, but I would love to Shout have a jacket. Shout out to
7: Art Herbe, who okay. was the goalie, they were an wow. eight seed and they beat the Red Wings, who were a one seed, and it was the biggest Amazing. thing in sports. And Kelly Kissio was that dude. <laughs> pocket
3: right in front. It's a it's a marsupial pocket. So yeah. cool. You put it right in here. The, cool the Hornets one
4: and the Sharks one. They also I feel like the material was different too when you really looked at it. Like oh. it had a it had a less shiny look to it. It really was little vintage. Mat. It, well, Matt. <laughs> little matte, little matte starter jacket. I also I, I second time I've mentioned them. The Hartford Whalers had one too. That right. Like once you shut Team down or move them, it immediately becomes vintage, and then the starter jacket is like ten times cooler.
7: Let's go! Right, Mm -hmm.
4: exactly.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.